Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Level Play Sports Podcast, your source for everything related to athlete brand management. My name is Dave Kalen, and I will be your host for today's festivities. And today, we are talking about youth volleyball, where kids train and play, both recreationally and competitively, in the hopes of advancing to the next level and set a foundation of team play that will hopefully spawn good habits later in life. Now, you've probably heard about the big business of youth club sports. In fact, there's more revenue in youth club sports than the NFL. But that tends to leave out low-income families who can't afford the cost, the travel, or the time commitment associated with it all. Well, today, we're going to talk with someone who has created a youth club mostly as a labor of love rather than to line his own pockets. It should be interesting. And as always, to join in on the conversation is my effervescent co-host, Ricky Denning. Hey, Ricky. Up, Dave. All right. There we go. I got it. What's up, Rave Dave? You ready to get into this episode? You are. For, <laughs> you have some good preparation for this podcast. That's for sure. Why? Thank you. I am so excited to get into this episode. Well, today you have booked a really good guest. His name is Stephen Carvajal. He's the founder, the coach, the fundraiser, and the overall visionary behind a nonprofit organization offering low-cost volleyball training and competition to kids in the Northwest Las Vegas area. He's going to talk about how he started the volleyball club, the rewards and challenges he's experienced, and what the future holds for himself his kids, and advice on how to navigate through it all. Sounds good? Sounds just about as good as my belch. Let's get it. Come on, bro. I'm so pumped on that. Okay, so without further ado, here is Stephen Carvajal. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Hey, Dave. I'm doing good. Welcome to the Level Play Sports podcast, Ricky. Hi, I'm here with Steven at his practice facility out of Las Vegas. And what is the practice facility for, Steven? This is where we practice volleyball, where some of our players are being developed to be competitive players. And what's the name of your club? Our club is the Fighting Angels Volleyball Club. Wonderful. So tell us all about it. Sure. So Fighting Angels Volleyball Clubs started as a rec team. Players started getting very good. So I had to take them to the next level, which was competitive volleyball. So we was able to create a program with great coaches qualified to develop these players to become competitively with the support of some of the parents that's willing to buy into the fact that their kids were wanting to learn more and play in more of a higher level platform. Hmm. So how many kids do you have right now? Well, it's growing. I mean, I started this program where I only had like one and a half team by word of mouth parents and players were suggesting our program as it was something really fun to be in, really had a good group of players and coaches in there. And right now we are about to enter the season with six teams all together. Six teams. Oh, wow. That's great. And you want to kind of project that every team may have 10 to 12 players. 
Oh, I see. So, oh gosh, so you have 60, 70 kids. Yes. It's hard to manage, but these are great kids in the gym. So it's really great to have them. So if you guys hear any of his athletes practicing in the background, just know they're going hard out there. They're putting their all into it. I can hear it from here. (laughs) And this is summertime. So normally summertime, everyone takes a break. So I'm very proud of some of these players who's determined to even during their off season, they're in the gym practicing in there and trying to get better. So well, now, what levels of play do you have? Uh, you have a, an academy and a competitive club. Is that correct? Yes. So in volleyball, you have the in-season play where they actually compete in tournaments throughout the year, maybe from around December till around June or July. But during the summer, they have off-season, meaning that that's their break. But a lot of players want to stay busy. They want to stay active. So we created an academy program for them so that even during off-season, they can actually come in the gym, practice with my coaches, and get better and get ready for high school tryouts as well as club tryouts. So it's a year-round program overall just to keep the kids active and busy and to get better. No, that's great. Now, how do you recruit the kids or how do they find out about Fighting Angels? To be honest with you, Dave, I think the best way to recruit that I've had was the word of mouth. Word of mouth is definitely great because a parent trusts our program, trusts me enough to kind of recommend us to their family and friends, which is great because now these parents are not going to bring troublemakers or or headache parents and players into the program. So in the long run, that really is beneficial for our club because I kind of want to stick to a good core of players that has the same goal to get better, but also has very good character about themselves, very humble. And to be able to build that chemistry with one another and grow together, I'd rather have that type of player come in my gym that is not so good, but willing to learn, is coachable, rather than a person that's 6'6", who thinks he or she's better than everyone else. So that is something that a word of mouth is really one of our best, best. Yeah, no prima donnas. I mean, that sounds pretty great because it's a two-way street, right? You trust the people that are recommending them, and the people that are recommending them to join the program, they trust you to lead these kids that they're encouraging to join the Fighting Angels. And Ricky, that's a great note. And to kind of piggyback on what you said, you know, a lot of my players has been in my program since from the very beginning. So they are the first ones who kind of set the tone for our program. And they are very humble because they knew that when they first started, they did not even know how to hit a volleyball. They did not know how to play volleyball. It's their very first time. So they're very humble. And this is something that kind of shared on the court. When someone new that walks into our gym, they share that. They, they are very supportive of one another, and it kind of gives that new player a very welcoming feel that they're not left out or they don't feel any less than, than those players there. Right. It's awesome that you've gotten to see them grow, and I have seen that firsthand when I came in and I watched one of your practices. I saw how supportive those teammates were to each other. It was always words of encouragement shot back and forth between the players on the court. It's such a great sport. I was going to say, so you're getting kids that are not just new to volleyball, but are new to team sports overall. Oh, oh yes. When they start playing volleyball for the first time, they are a fish out of water. They're shy. They're quiet. They're hesitant to move. I mean, you could actually hear the cry inside, Mom, what am I doing here? But to be out there for the first time, 
to be honest with you, for them doing that, that's brave. Especially in the sport of volleyball, where spandex is the uniform, for them to be comfortable wearing that, it's, it's a big thing. Some of these players... Superheroes have to get comfortable wearing <laughs> spandex, and, you know, Marvel's got one of the best teams around, right? <laughs> the Avengers. Yes. But for them to be comfortable and, and get over that feel, that's, that kind of shows that's something that we want to build is their confidence. Now, you're in the Las Vegas area. How wide is your recruitment circle? Are you in the neighborhoods? Are you citywide? Are you region-wide? And what kind of kids do you get? Do you f- focus on you know, low-income kids or, do, or any from a specific community? Or do you have any kind of focus? Or is it just anyone who wants to pick up a volleyball and learn team sports? Well... Yeah, that's a very interesting question because we're based out of Las Vegas. And one of the main reasons I started the Fighting Angels Volleyball Club was that club sports was very expensive. The financial burden that the parents have to decide on really comes into effect whether he or she plays in the club or not. And I had my daughters play in the club team for one season, and I realized how much it costs, how expensive it costs. Oh, yes. For-profit youth sports is a multi-billion dollar industry. Because they know you have kids and the parents will do anything to support their interests. So I created the Fighting Angels to be affordable. So my reach, to be honest with you, is we're here in Las Vegas on the northwest side of town. I really cater to those families that has multiple kids, two brothers and a daughter that's maybe want to play. But if you have three kids, how much is it for them to play club sports? That's a mortgage payment. Yeah. So I work with a lot of these families to kind of keep the cost down. I mean, I ask the families, look, I'm just here to keep the doors open for our facility, the lights on, and for us to be able to get enough gas to get to our next tournament. Are you a nonprofit? We are, yes. We are a nonprofit. Nonprofit's new to me. I knew there's a lot of businesses that's willing to help, but you have to learn how to talk that nonprofit lingo. Of course. They have to see it and believe it that there's something that you are truly making a difference out here. And you have to be in that room to kind of even explain and express your heart out that my program, I'm helping kids. And you literally have to kind of sell yourself to that for them to write the check. So in that way, you have to kind of create a brand around being a nonprofit, right? In order to get some of that funding. And I could tell that you put a lot of effort in to creating that Mm -hmm. and put a lot of effort into learning that lingo just to make sure that you are providing kids who otherwise would not have had the chance an opportunity to play volleyball. Exactly. I mean, closed mouth doesn't get fed and you have to actually reach out and it's been difficult. Even though I'm nonprofit, but if I don't have a brand, Uh, If no one knows me out there, businesses and other corporations is going to just think, oh, he's just another volleyball club that's trying to pay for new pairs of shoes or trying to go to Hawaii for their tournament, where I'm trying to keep our program going year round for these players because some of these players, they have nothing else to do. I have parents who rather stay here and keep their kids busy doing this rather than take vacation because vacation costs way more than staying here during the summer and doing something every week here and out. And some players are are very happy to do so. It's incredible. Very interesting. (laughs) No, that's great. And so you have sponsors, corporate sponsors or business sponsors. You get donations from people. Do you have, I don't know, a GoFundMe page or something like that? 
I mean, it's easier said than done, Dave. So I, I've reached out and the smallest businesses are the ones that help. The parents whose kids go are one of my biggest sponsors. They'll donate $100 here. They'll buy a Bluetooth speaker for the club so they can play music at the park. Those minor donations are the biggest one I have. But I've reached out and did emails to these big corporate businesses, these franchise owners, and none have actually even called back. I wrote my email, wrote a great story to back it up, showed them that we are a nonprofit entity, that you'll get tax incentives. But truly is, it's kind of disappointing that you have all these businesses, especially Las Vegas. Why I mean, the only nonprofit volleyball club uh, in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, I mean, if, they, if they're trying to decide between which nonprofit volleyball clubs in Las Vegas to uh, choose from, I mean. It's so wild because my wife is a high limits dealer at one of the major hotels and casino in the strip. And I hear stories from her where you have high rollers come in and drop $150,000 on a blackjack table. They will lose and then these casinos will provide them comps to come back, private jets to come here. So it's disappointing, but it's one of those things I have faith that I just not in that room yet, not on that table yet to kind of speak to the people that's making the decision be like, well, Steve, let me donate 50 bucks. Well, Steve, let me donate $500. Well, Steve, let me donate 50,000. You know, I think the one thing in Las Vegas or maybe any other cities, they have to see it to believe it, that their money's going into something good that's actually making a difference in the community. Well, that's great. Tell me about the difference that it's making. What difference are you seeing firsthand, especially after watching your team grow for however many years? What is the biggest difference you've seen in these kids? What's the most important life lessons these athletes are learning through being on the team? It's, well, some of these kids have been with me since the beginning and just the progress that they have and the drive that they want to learn more. It's really, really amazing to watch. It becomes to a point where it feels like I'm watching my own kids grow. On and off the court, volleyball really builds character. One of the characters that that I feel that's one of my favorite that they build is that it's okay to make mistakes. You can make a mistake, you pick yourself back up, you have your teammates help you, you have your coaches help you, and you move on to the next play. I think that's one of the biggest life lessons that if they take anything away from my program, that's the one of my thing that they could take away because life is very challenging. There's a lot of cruel stuff out there and a lot of times they'll find themselves alone. But if they could kind of take that away from my program, that it's okay to make a mistake and there's always a support system behind you to help you. That is what's the most amazing lesson that I could kind of share to my players. And I feel some of my core players, even my kids have grown into that and was able to build that character within themselves. And hopefully like, you know, later on in life, hopefully that's one of the memories that will come out to kind of help them is that, hey, I used to play volleyball. I experienced this. That's what I thought this was the toughest and I was able to overcome it. And they're probably making lifelong friends, This, especially that core team. You, you know they're going to be lifelong friends after all of the tournaments they've all had to travel together for, all the practice hours they've spent together. This group, they're going to stick together for quite some time, I think. And that's a good point, Ricky, because that's the method to my madness. Because having two teenage daughters, someone had advised me that as they get older, they kind of stop listening to their parents and they start listening to their friends more. So this is a great way for me to control who they hang out with, <laughs> which teammates that they could be with, 
where they're going to be at most of the time. Uh, another motivation. <laughs> it's a win-win for me as I see it. So beyond just your two daughters, what what is your 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 favorite part of coaching, and what are some of your biggest challenges? Now you you're not the only coach; you have a number of coaches. That's correct. You're just the mastermind behind it all, right? <laughs> oh yes, I wouldn't have done it without them. I think it's one of those things that you can't do this alone. I have a vision. I shared it with my coaches, and I feel that these coaches really are one of the heart and soul that kind of helped me keep this program going. But one of the favorite part I have in coaching is that you can't really measure anything unless you get some sort of feedback. So I'm grateful for some of the feedback that I get from parents and from players on things that they say are how much our volleyball program really been positive for them. I know that Parents are saying that their kids are rushing them out the house, telling them that, hey, I got to get to practice. I don't want to be late. Now, these are like 10, 11-year-old kids motivating their parents that I cannot be late because they need me there. So the accountability at such a young age, it's amazing for me to like every time I see them walk in that gym and they're ready, they got their knee pads on, they're putting on their shoes. But at the same time, it's like they're showing up there because they know there's so much more to learn and they want to learn. So just the drive that they have, that's the great part of my coaching. Now, some of my challenges is that when you go from a recreational platform of volleyball into a competition type of platform in volleyball, it's such a big difference. And not a lot of parents that are accustomed to that. It's totally new to them. So... If you're doing rec ball, you're going to the gym and you're watching your kid play for one game and then you're done, you, you get snacks, you give each kid a Capri Sun, a Rice Krispie treat, and see you guys at next practice, right? That was my favorite part of sports. Actually, <laughs> it was. Normally, treat. it's the snacks. The kids, the snacks that the parents give out is more exciting than the actual game they have. We're like, oh my God, coach gave us cotton candy from the dollar store. But although the incentive for if you win, we go get pizza. <laughs> yes, but that could, that could get pricey. We're trying to keep our budget down, Dave. So, <laughs> But the challenge part is kind of educating the parents that there's a lot more to just rec volleyball. So when they get a competition level play in volleyball, they're staying at the gym six to eight hours for one day tournament each day. And sometimes a three-day tournament. They're sitting there, they're sitting on the floor next to a wall, eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and saying, okay, we got to get back on the court. So it's different for parents too. I think club sports has grown so much. When I was growing up, it was only school ball. In order to play sports, you play for your high school. I've never knew any other avenue until entering this whole club, and it was eye-opening for me. I was not prepared for my first tournament when my daughters played. I didn't know I was standing or sitting on a bench for like six hours, eight hours, and going home like I'm hungry, and especially if your daughter's game, they end up losing. So you, on the whole ride home, you can hear the complaints and the emotional breakdown, but it's fun as a father. <laughs> oh, bet. Now, how does your club do in these competitions? You know what? I've measured our club by progress. I don't truly, at this point in their age group, there's a lot more volleyball to play. I kind of look at sometimes that a loss is more a positive effect because now I really kind of know, well, let's see how they're going to bounce back from it. So it's really truly is a, a learning lesson at some of the stages in life. Yeah, as soon as they get older and maybe in the 16 and 17, 18 year divisions, mm -hmm. points do count. But 
for anything younger than that, it's more important to me that they are knowing the fact that when they do make mistakes or when they do lose a game, that there's more volleyball to play. Now, it is important that we are in these platforms so that I can kind of expose our team that there are great teams out there and they can see with their own eyes how they play, how they warm up, how the feel is and how the competitive atmosphere is like. And maybe that kid will kind of resonate within themselves and be like, hey, this is something I kind of want to be in and be a part of and really want to strive to be like her or like him, be ready to get to go to college and play this hard. So it's a great teaching point for my players. Oh, great. Well, now you say you've had some that have gone through the entire program from the minimum to the maximum age. Has any of your athletes gotten inspired by Fighting Angels to go on to the next level, whether it's in high school or I don't know if they're old enough to, you know, to go to college? Yes, as we speak. I mean, not yet in college, mm, okay. but my oldest player is a junior in high school. A lot of my players now are going into their first year of high school. So they're going to be freshmen and they actually, intramurals is this week. So they were able to go there and they're very excited about it. So it's exciting. And I think just the inspiration comes from like, they work so hard at the gym that they want to show it at their high school or at the school that they're playing for or going to be playing for. And I think there's some, some sort of pride that goes about that. Yes, I play for the Fighting Angels Volleyball Club. I worked hard all year long, and I deserve to be here and a chance to actually play and try out. Oh, that's great. I don't know what their future goals are, but what are your future goals? Where do you want to take the Fighting Angels, the club and the academy? Well, I'm going to answer this in two folds, okay? So my goal is to create a scholarship program for our players. I want to take away that financial burden that parents have to do in order for players to get into club. Now, my dream is to build a facility of eight to 12 courts for volleyball and basketball in Las Vegas. That's something so much needed out here. To get funding to build a new gym? Well, Mega Millions is about $660 million right now, and it's waiting for, <laughs> for a winner. But I'm just hoping that I've reached enough people that there's a plan and there's a business plan that I want to build out here in Las Vegas, especially in a side of town where there's a lot of low-income families. Their only avenue to play club or competition level is actually at the school where most likely if they haven't been playing club, their chances of being part of that team is very low because out of the 20 people that they keep, 150, 200 people try out for that 20 spot. So my dream is to build that facility, to have each court be sponsored by a corporation whether it's, hey, court one is the MGM Grand, court two is Red Rock Casino, court three is Chase Bank, and so on. And advertising for them, that's the funding where I will kind of roll into the scholarship program for these kids. You give a kid a scholarship program starting from when they're in middle school all the way to high school, I think that's something that all the parents and kids will get the opportunity that's much needed. That's potentially life-changing for them. But I'm going to go back to something that you said. Did you say basketball? So <laughs> right now, volleyball, you're thinking of expanding to basketball. Why basketball? Well, in basketball, it's, it's the same wooden floors that you kind of use. So, oh, very um, smart. And to be honest with you, I think basketball players make great volleyball players. Any personal history to that statement? 
I didn't grow up playing volleyball. I got into volleyball because my kids loved it. And just like any parent, you support and you do research and you become this YouTube dad and you become the expert of anything that you can learn. But I grew up playing basketball and it was a very positive sport for me. It kept me out of trouble. It kept me determined. So I kind of shared some of the ways I played basketball with some of the players right now that play volleyball. You need to know how to jump. You need to be tall and you have to have good footwork. So when it comes down to it, it kind of ties in. So why not try to recruit some basketball players and play volleyball for us? It's a lot less competitive pool when you start looking for colleges on who's recruiting for basketball or who's recruiting for volleyball. It's a lot less people competing to get in. That's a really, really smart way to angle it, especially because you have that personal history with basketball. That's pretty cool. You're providing for these kids what you had and probably even a better version of what you had growing up. Where'd you play basketball? My father was in the military, so we traveled a lot. So when I played basketball, I played in Germany when we played against schools from base to base to base, because that was the only thing that we could do at such a young age. I was in elementary school. And then when I moved back to the States, we stayed at El Paso. Texas. So at the heart of El Paso, 20 minutes away from the Mexican border next to Juarez, right? So if I did not play basketball for the school, I would not know where I would have ended up at. So I'm very fortunate. And I think me doing this for the Fighting Angels is something that maybe I feel that I'm giving back. And I feel good about it. I think it's something good there. And that's why I'm so passionate about keeping it going. I know there's challenges I have to go through, but once I feel in my heart there's something good about it and I want to keep it going, you just got to keep trucking along. That's just incredible, <laughs> especially. Oh, man, all of that's incredible. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Yeah. Now, of course, we are a podcast that deals with athlete brand management. Do you have any of your kids? Are they on social media? Probably not, maybe not a whole brand or anything, but is there anyone who is on social media? Do you show your highlights? And what advice would you give to your kids about how to cultivate their brand on social media? Social media is such a great access to the world. And some of our players do use social media, just like Instagram, TikTok, just to communicate, right? But not so in, in a type of direction for them to brand themselves. We're trying to coach them and teach them to tell their story, to tell their goals, because when it comes down to it, they're telling about themselves. And the world is such a big place. But the right people need to hear about your story. And if they see your story and they look at your brand, right? Especially when players are now are using Twitter to reach out to coaches, to follow coaches. But we really encourage our players that you just don't know who's watching. The right know? connection, the right opportunity can absolutely change an athlete's life. Yes. And it could be a simple message or a simple highlight that can make a difference. But like I've said, you just don't know when and where someone's actually watching you or reading, but always someone is. And that's what's great about club, right? We give a code of conduct for these players is that they're not only representing themselves, but they're representing the jersey that they wear. They're representing the volleyball club. They're representing me. You know, so, so I think with that mindset, they have this higher role model persona about them. And hopefully it kind of carries on when they start talking about themselves. They're trying to kind of tell people, hey, my name is Tallulah Carvajal. 
I'm a junior at Centennial High School. I'm trying to become a pediatrician and I want to play volleyball at UCLA, you know? And now the story's there. And now everyone's watching, well, is she going to do a highlight? How hard is she practicing? Is she continually putting content out there? And I think if we kind of direct and coach our players in that direction and show the importance of branding themselves, like Ricky said, it could change their life before they even know it. And next thing you know, they're going to college because they did a minute and a half highlight and someone was like, okay, I want her in my team. Exactly. Yeah. And it's about self-promotion as well as team promotion and the camaraderie that comes from playing it at the club level. I'd like to know what inspired you, Steve, to create a space for these young athletes. Well, I think young athletes need opportunities. I think what inspired me more is that once you give an athlete an opportunity, they could potentially be good at something. Their drive is unmeasurable. They will show up to practice hungry. They'll be tired. They'll finish through their laps. They'll be motivated to do a homework before practice. But it's truly inspiring that these players, they're young athletes from nine, 10 years old, have that character within themselves that's motivating. And that's such a big action to do, especially, I mean, I have friends that are my age, they're 40 plus, and they don't want to get out of bed. So for 12-year-olds to do this is very inspiring. And to see them come to the gym, not piss practice, I think... That's truly is inspiring. So, so just to give them the opportunity to be as good as they can be, show the effort. And from there, it's just the unknown of like, how far can they take it? Who's to say that I have an athlete that didn't even know how to play volleyball, but willing to kind of go out there and then five, six, seven years from now, they continue to it. And now they're signing a letter of intent to go to college. How cool is that to be part right. of? That's wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be really fulfilling for you to see. And I mean, of course, it's going to happen. You've got, (laughs) what, 60 kids at this point? I mean, it's just the numbers game at this point. But no, I think you're putting some real talent out there on your courts and into the world, you know? I have a bunch of great kids in that gym. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them has potential to be playing volleyball. But I think their character and personality that they have, how far they've come, Slowly but surely, I start seeing these athletes start doing a little bit more, starting to get comfortable. Give me five, six years of building their confidence. And well, I truly believe they'll be more stronger. They'll be empowered to do things. But that's the amazing part that's not seen in our ledgers of profits and losses. That's the reason why we continue to do this program. Well, that's great. So where can our audience find the Fighting Angels on social media, via your website? Where, where can we find you? Sure. So we do have a website. It's fightingangels.club. We also have a Facebook page that I try to post um, content of our practices, our games, YouTube as well, because once you put something in YouTube, it's there forever. And I've had game footage there from like even three years ago. So it's great to see some of my players look back at how they started. We have a Twitter page that I'm trying to get players to to put content in. And we follow a lot of coaches. What's that the handle? 
fighting angels. But yeah, that's some of the, the few that I have. Now remember, this is a 44-year-old guy trying to get a grasp on social media and the whole tech thing. I kind of need to grab a few of my players that's teenagers to kind of like need to really take that by the horns and take off with it because they know more about content and how to crop things in Instagram than I do. Last time I did, I put something on Instagram and it only took half the page. So there's a lot of lessons that I need to learn as well, but I'm learning with them. So it's always ask your kids or some places ask your grandkids if you get it at my age level. But anyways, enough about that. <laughs> Stephen Carvajal from the Fighting Angels Volleyball Club. Great talking to you. Thank you, Dave and Ricky. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully I will come back and let you guys know, hey, guess what? I won the Mega Millions for $660 million and I'm building a new facility out here. No, but hopefully it's one of those things where I could kind of let you know, hey, there's something great that happened. I had this player that is now the number one recruit in the nation and I want to be the first to tell you guys. Well, I'm sure that Dave Kalen of Level Play Sports Podcast <laughs> and I are very, very excited to see all the wonderful things that you do through the Fighting Angels Club. I'm definitely rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that most of our listeners are on that And that will bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Level Play Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion of youth volleyball and learned something along the way. I'd like to thank our guest, Stephen Carvajal, who gave us some great insight. That was his first podcast ever, if you could believe that. He sounded so good that I'm 100% positive it will not be his last. He's going to start getting booked for all the speaking engagements now. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yes, he did sound great. He was very passionate about the project. Anyway, if you like what you heard today, then please subscribe and you'll be notified of future episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, then feel free to leave us a review or send us a note. I can be reached at Dave at levelplaysports.com. And you can find me at Rickiana at levelplaysports.com. And if you can't spell that, you're just SOL. No, it's R-I-K-I-A-N-A at levelplaysports.com. And uh, of course, we're on social media as well. <laughs> so give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Level Play Sports. Of course, don't be a troll, but if you'd like to discuss anything we've been talking about here or have any ideas for future episodes, then we would love to hear from you. So slide in these DMs and hit us up anytime. Okay, that's it for now. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Level Play Sports Podcast, where we will discuss athlete brand management in more detail. For the Level Play Sports Podcast, I'm Dave Kalen. And I'm Ricky Denning. Have a good one. Bye-ya! Uh.